Welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. And uh, hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Schultz, a great follow at AJ Schultz24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And uh, partner, I don't know about you, but uh, the snow has fallen here. It's starting to really look like hockey season around me. How about you? We're in the opposite right now. We're getting a ton of rain, uh, and any snow we had is just quickly evaporating so any hopes of a white christmas here seem to have gone out the window oh man well we're still a couple of weeks away so maybe there's hope for that but i don't mind seeing snow around the 24th to the 27th but after that i can do without it but uh, that's uh, whistling into the wind here in canada so we'll take what we get i guess <laughs> part of my best workouts in the wintertime are shoveling snow so i'll look forward to that go. aspect as well <laughs> aj the nhl had their uh Mid-season meetings and uh, some interesting news came out of it in terms of the salary cap, possibly not rising more than a million dollars across the board this year. That's uh, because this, the players still owe a little money to the league in terms of the escrow uh, situation. Uh, next year, though, it should be the following year. It should be a situation where the the salary cap is going to go a lot higher. So that's what a lot of teams are looking forward to. But they have to be budget conscious for another year, it looks like. But in the same vein, we're hearing in other sports, the, the NBA has decided to name some of their major trophies. So I thought we could have a little bit of fun with renaming possibly some of the NHL's trophies. But before, before we get into that, though, how do you feel about uh, the NBA changing the names of longtime trophies and uh, putting more recent players uh, names uh, on the on the trophies like Michael Jordan and such I mean I'll be perfectly blunt with you Paul I, I couldn't care less I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch enough NBA if the Bucks are playing in the playoffs in you know in June I'll, I'll turn on the Bucks but that's about it for my NBA watching so to be perfectly blunt I, I just couldn't care <laughs> but what, but what about the fact that the league does change the names to uh, reflect more more recent names in in general? Like we could have some fun in the NHL. What do you do about the Hart Trophy, for instance, in the NHL? Would you like to see it renamed to a more recent player? And if so, who might that be? Well, I will I will say a lot of times, you know, especially with the NHL, it's been around so long that you know I don't really know. You know, I have to do research about you know the guys that these. Uh, Trophies were named after, obviously, Rocket Richard is, is a fairly obvious one, prolific goal scorer. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you do have to do some research. Don't really know a lot about these guys. So, yeah, I mean, if they want to call it the Sidney Crosby trophy, uh, you know, in a couple of years, like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Well, I thought for the Hart Trophy that uh, I would I would consider it naming it after Gretzky or Lemieux, but I look at the, another trophy like the Art Ross, maybe as the scoring leader, and I think Gretzky really owned both of them. So, but I don't want to give him both trophies. I'd rather give him the, his name on the Art Ross trophy because it's all about the points and career points and how he was lapping the field most years, particularly in the first half of his career. And uh, so I think that that would be an appropriate thing to rename that trophy after him. But the Hart Trophy, I thought maybe a, a nod to Gordy Howe or even Mario Lemieux. Uh, these players were not surrounded by the star power that uh, that Gretzky was on his teams. And I think that they dragged their teams to a lot of success that if they were not on their teams, they made the biggest difference. Uh, 
big by being there. And so their absence would have been felt the most. So I, that's where I would have to flip a coin between Lemieux and, uh, and how, so you see where I'm going with that and uh, wonder how you react to the, both of those picks. I mean, I think they're both fantastic picks for that. Obviously I would default to Lemieux. Um, but I, you know, a strong argue, argument could be made for, for either, either one. Um, you know, it depends how new you want to get, right? Like even, yeah. even Gordy Howe, like, you have to know who Gordy Howe is if you're a hockey fan, but like, I never saw him play anything like that. Whereas like Lemieux for people, my age, as a kid, we would have seen Lemieux play. Um, and even into the teens when he came back or whatever. But so I guess it depends how new you want to go, but it's certainly uh, an argument could be made, I think for either guy. And then what about the best goalie ever? That's a, that's a debate. That's not got a clear winner in my estimation. You could look at Patrick Waugh. You could look at Marty Brodeur. You can look at a guy like Terry Sachuk if you want to go back to the 50s. But uh, for me, I would go with uh, Marty Brodeur because he has the most shutouts. And uh, again, he made the biggest difference to his team as opposed to, uh, I would say, even a, uh, um, a guy like Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh played on a lot of very good teams. Uh, Dominic Hasek could even gain consideration. So that's a more wide open debate. Uh, do you have a horse in that race? I mean, you named my guy right there, Dominic Hasek, I think uh, stood out with his athleticism in a time when it wasn't quite as prevalent. Nowadays, we see goalies making a lot more of these uh, crazy saves, a lot better, more side-to-side motion. I I think the Dominator was one of the first guys to really add that level of just pure athleticism to to the role. Um, But I would agree, I think, Marty Berdur. I mean, you look at the fact that Four or five seasons, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but four or five seasons, he played 70-plus games. Like, that's just astronomical. We talk about guys, like, being too tired now if they play over 60, right? Um, And, you know, you can make arguments for other reasons why it's harder on goalies nowadays to to play that many games. I I totally agree with that. But um, just the fact that he played so many games, he racked up so many wins, he was uh, just such a good a player for such a long time on really underwhelming teams outside of him. Uh, I, I think Marty Berdur would probably be the, the most logical candidate. But And you make a great point. You mean, uh, it depends on what era you focus on in the last 50 years. Well, I named, we named between us a few of the guys that would be at the top of the list for consideration. So that's a tougher one for me to nail down personally. Finally, uh, I think there's an easy name for the, Jack Adams award that's goes to the coach that is deemed the the best in the league. Jack Adams, of course, was uh, the guy that ran the Detroit Red Wings in the 1950s. And uh, again, I I did never saw him interviewed or knew much about him until I did some research. And, and I think if you bring it forward, you look at a guy like Scotty Bowman, who, who uh, of course made his bones with the Montreal Canadians, but had some success uh, with Pittsburgh and Buffalo and other stops and even St. Louis bringing that first expansion era team to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years in a row. So I think I think that's a slam dunk. But, you know, certainly there are other guys out there that you, would merit consideration. I just thought it'd be ha- fun to, to knock around a few of those names. And I think if our listeners have any thoughts on any of them, we'd love to hear them. Uh, so uh, reminding you to get back to us between now and next week, we'll, we'll take some of the best answers if you come up with them in that regard. But AJ, that wasn't the only bit of news this past week. Alexander Ovechkin, again, making headlines, topping the 800 uh, goal plateau uh, in his career. And uh, he went from 700 to 800, the last 100 goals that he scored in 162 games. 
And just for perspective now, he only needs 94 in 181 to pass Wayne Gretzky and do it in fewer games than the great one ever did. To me, this is an exceptional achievement. And if he does it in fewer games, I think it just underscores that he is the greatest scorer of all time. He's done it in an era where goal scoring is harder than it ever was. And you can argue that Gretzky did it in a time when when it was a little bit easier, though I'm taking nothing away from 99. He certainly led the league in goal scoring and points year after year after year by such a huge margin. We've never seen anything like that. I don't think we'll ever see that again, despite what Connor McDavid is trying to do this season. But how do you, what's your perspective on Ovi's achievements? I know he's a big rival to Sidney Crosby, so it's maybe hard for you to, to get the words out, but I'm going to give you a shot at it. Uh, I just think the numbers and the mathematics that I spoke about just puts this guy on another level than even Wayne Gretzky right now, the way he's doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, you look at it, the biggest thing is probably the fact that, um, you know, he, he is such a good goal scorer that he literally went from, what was it, 797 to 800 in one game, like yeah. gets the hat trick to get 800. Like that's perfect encapsulation of Ovechkin's career to just go out, get three all at once to, you know, to get in there and, um to, to get up to, you know, one behind Gordie Howe here. So I, I have little doubt that he'll reach the overall mark here and, and will pass Gretzky at, at some point. Um, and, you know, I, I think an argument could be made if you wanted to update the Rocket Trophy at some point in the future and uh, rename it the, the Ovechkin Trophy. I, I think that an argument could be made for that one as well. Just he has been very hands down the best scorer pure goal scorer of, of this most recent generation. Absolutely. And to further underscore his exploits, he's 37 years old now. That's when Gretzky pretty much retired, 37, 38 years of age. And further to that, I looked up and Gretzky never topped even the 40-goal mark after he was 30 years old. So what Ovechkin is doing in his 30s is just that much more remarkable, uh, putting his real stamp on on the lifetime chase that he has uh, on this record. And Fewer and fewer people have any doubts that he's going to make it at all. We started chirping about this three, four years ago, AJ. I remember talking about this with you on our show. I think we were first to that party. So that's why I like coming back to that as often as these milestones merit. So uh, just uh, a little more perspective on what uh, the great eight has been doing. And so that, without further ado now, we got to jump into our weekly look at the 32 teams around the NHL. And I get the inglorious task of leading us off with the Anaheim Ducks. And AJ, I got to close-up look at this team as they limped into Toronto and they got their clocks clean last night by the Maple Leafs. Seven to nothing was the score. And I mean, almost the highlight of the game came on the very first shift when Adam Henrique took a stick to the head by accident, of course, and he was clipped. And and uh, and uh, from there, it just went downhill for the, for the Ducks. They just were no match for the Leafs on this night. And uh, hard to say something at positive. The, so we'll stick to what what is newsworthy. John Gibson suffered an injury. Maybe he just got sick and tired of watching the team play in front of him, but he's listed as day-to-day and that puts the focus on the backup goalies and Anthony Solars is also dealing with the day-to-day knock. So unfortunately, it's Lucas Dostal who gets the starting assignment, uh, at least for the next game or two, it looks like and uh, that's like being in- invited to join the firing squad, but at the wrong end of that. So uh, tough luck for him, but uh, guys like Cam Fowler, Trevor Zegras, 
and Troy Terry, they were all missing in action. And unless their top team players are scoring, this team faces more long nights than uh, than any other options uh, on the on the docket for them. Well, over in Arizona, um, not a lot to report on the injury front. Pretty healthy team from from that standpoint uh, in terms of production. They got uh, two wins out of uh, Carl Vamelka uh, this past week. Ten goals allowed over that stretch. Larson Krause finding his offensive game with four points. Clayton Keller as well. Um, and Jack McBain getting in on the scoring with two goals over that stretch. I think what you're going to see here uh, is – occasionally this team is going to play really well like they did this past week. I think they've got uh, a strong number of, uh, of guys that are capable of putting up some points periodically. They're not a complete team. That much is obvious. You know, Vimelka got those wins as you mentioned, or as I mentioned, Paul, but he's also given up three or more goals in each of his last seven contests. Um, so they're going to have moments where they, they play well, um, you know, you look at their matchups this week where they did get wins. They, they beat Boston, which is was a huge shock. But you had to imagine at some point Boston was going to tire out and, and need to basically take a day off in a game. And, and we're going to lose one eventually here. And then they beat Philadelphia, who's been uh, underwhelming this season. And, and then they lose one to the Sharks. So uh, they'll win games periodically. They'll put up some points periodically. But for the most part, I would expect them to be on the losing end of matchups more often than not. Well, and in Boston, I mean, there's red, uh, a big time alarms across the board for this team. They've only won three of their last five games, AJ, and slumping badly uh, in that period of time. Of course, I just a little bit, but uh, something to watch for is that they're going to be playing a lot more road games in the near future. You mentioned that they lost a rare one in Arizona. I watched that game and uh, it was a, quite a finish to that hockey game. But they, they've only won two games of the last five in regulation. So I wonder if they're, uh, they're uh, coming back to the rest of the league a little bit. They've reshuffled things offensively, moving Brad, Marsh, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron back with David Pasternak, who thrived on a second scoring line here. But uh, with David Krejci's sideline on a, on a day-to-day basis going forward, that maybe has caused the reshuffling. So the second line looks a little different. Taylor Hall joined by DeBrusque and Zaka on that unit with Zaka playing center. I think they have to be somewhat pleased with Zaka's inform- performance here, AJ. 19 points in 28 games played, only three goals, but they're getting a lot of playmaking out, out of him. And... Uh, uh, a good place for him to learn his t- task behind guys like Krejci and Bergeron, uh, uh, kind of an incubator for a young setter that you couldn't ask for better. So keep an eye on him in this role and see if he can hang on to the top six role when Krejci does return to health. And then maybe they put Pasternak with the two of them. Uh, something to look forward to. I wonder the loser in this whole mix might be Taylor Hall, who might be bumped to a third line role. So uh, keep an eye on that situation if your ownership of him uh, factors in there. Could be, it could be a switch in the offing. Just as there has been for the defense core, when you look at Hampus Lindholm was uh, manning the power play, but now Charlie McAvoy has taken that role and, and Lindholm's numbers have slowed down while McAvoy's taken off with a point per game pace and 15 starts. Over in Buffalo, they've had um, the uh, had to make up for not having Jeff Skinner, who's been suspended. He's got, I believe, one more game left on that suspension for him uh, after the, the check to the face of uh, Pittsburgh's uh, 
Gensel, Jake Gensel. Wow. Brain, brain freeze there. Um, on the, you know, on the back end here, they had a fantastic game last night, went six, six, Oh, over the Kings, a big win, 40 save shutout performance, uh, for Craig Anderson. He's been splitting the net mining duties here with, uh, uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen. They've been going every other, the last couple of games, uh, they're they're mostly healthy team uh, in terms of you know that they've had to weather the storm obviously with with Skinner out but uh, overall this team is healthy and in getting some wins here and there when it's very similar to Arizona there are going to be games that they win um, they'll get you know a solid performance like the one they had they'll catch a team on an off night um, but for the most part I would expect you know continued less wins uh you know more losses than wins uh moving forward aj the news in carolina is all about the injury list and how some inactive players are getting close to returning and that this team could certainly use that but in the meantime Pyotr kachekov uh their goalie of choice he's come from nowhere to take the reins as a starting goalie he's had an outstanding run here seven wins uh, in regulation four overtime losses and one regulation loss adding up to a goals against average of just a hair over two and a save percentage of almost 93%. That's uh, making the case for uh, them to take their time with Freddie Anderson, but he just resumed skating with the club. And so you can expect a bit of a, a shift in terms of the goalie usage for Kachekov, who's had the lion's share of the role. I'm sure they want to get Anderson back in the fold and see if they can run with the two of them. But that leaves Ante Ranta on the outside possibly looking in. And you wonder if that's a trade chip that they look at uh, down the road so something to consider there and then even more of a surprise to me was Matt Pacioretty resuming skating with the club too and he hasn't yet to make, make his debut with the club after uh, uh, an injury derailed the start of his season so they could really get a boost in their offense if that uh, big sniper returns to the fold so while they've been treading water there might be good news around the corner for the Canes right uh, in the next week or two. Over in Calgary, they've been getting uh, some inconsistent goalie play of late. Um, you know, they I talked about this when we were on DraftKings earlier today, Paul. The netminders are, you know, the guy that's got the better numbers uh, is, is getting the losses, and the guy that's got the worst numbers is getting the wins. So it's really hard to predict what you're getting out of them. This past week, uh, two games for Dan Vladder went 1-0-1, Eight seven one was the save percentage. Pretty pretty poor. On the flip side, Markstrom got two games, went zero one and one, and he had a nine five three save percentage. So really, I think it speaks to uh, some offensive inconsistency here. The fact that you could have really strong performances by Markstrom and, and no results, um, and then poor performances from Vladder uh, and, and get get wins and get points here. So. Uh, they've got to figure something out on how to be consistent here and how to, you know, kind of adjust things uh, moving forward so that they're getting victories when their goalies are putting up uh, good, uh, good performances. And uh, in Chicago, look, this team is making a nosedive for the bottom of the standings. They've only won once and it looks like their last 12 games. And uh, so there's nothing positive to report in the one loss record to be sure. And uh, there's not much going on on the injury list, uh, except for the fact that they've struggled to find healthy goaltending. And right now, Arvid Soderblom is getting a look here. It seems another Nordic-born goalie is getting a shot to make his way in the NHL. We've seen a lot of 
goalies from from that part of the world in the last few years and maybe this is just the latest another big body guy but uh behind this team he's is hard pressed to pick up wins so i don't know how much dfs value is there and the uh, same could be said for a guy like a sam lafferty aj he's playing alongside patrick kane and max domi on the first line and uh that might be a good position for him to kind of find his offensive game he's shown flashes in a previous stop in philadelphia has yet to really have much of an impact in Chicago, but has the best opportunity he could ask for in this uh, thin lineup. So uh, other than that, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane continue to be the subject of trade speculation. And uh, we wonder on a weekly basis when push is going to come to shove there. I'm hearing uh, a recent rumor that links uh, Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers for three pieces. And uh, I think that would make sense for a team to to get the jump on on acquiring a player of that magnitude as early as possible so he could have a longer impact on the club in this the final year of his contract there over in uh columbus they've shuffled the lines up a little bit and it seems to have worked they've got jack roslavic and patrick line together on the second line and then johnny gaudreau playing with Boone Jenner and Gustav Nyquist on the first line. And you look at their numbers over the last five games, line A, seven points, including four goals. Roslavic with six, Gaudreau with five, Jenner with three, um, Gavrikov three as well, two goals for Nyquist. So by shuffling things up, it appears that their top six is kind of gelling a little bit differently, coming together a little bit more. Um, obviously the weakness on this team will continue to be the blue line overall without Wierenski, Boquist, Bean, or even Blankenberg. Uh, they're just really scraping the AHL system here for netminers. You also have Jonas Corposalo on IR, uh, another kind of injury stint for him. Uh, so just these goalies just can't seem to get and stay healthy. It'll be Merz Lickens for the time being with Daniel Tarasov up from the minors to serve as the number two option or occasionally start when you consider that Merz Lickens numbers two and three this past week in five appearances, eight, six, two, uh, the save percent, four, five, seven, the goals against average. So they might uh, give Tarasov a few starts just with how poorly Merz Lickens has been playing. And in Colorado, I'll start with the goalie situation there, AJ. Uh, because of the rash of injuries, of course, they're getting more shots on goal and higher quality chances against And Alexander Georgiev's uh, stat line is reflecting that. In four of his last six games, he's allowed at least four goals in that stretch. So uh, more consideration is given there to a guy like Pavel Francis to take some of the pressure off. And with that, they've actually stalled a four-game losing streak and uh, won their last two games. So maybe splitting the role between the two goalies instead of having one guy shoulder the load until they get healthy makes the most sense there. Consider the fact that Josh Manson, Curtis McDermott, and Bowen Byram are missing from the blue line. And then up front, they're missing two-thirds of their top scoring line with Nathan McKinnon expected to be out for another three weeks and Gabriel Landeskog also on long-term IR. In their absence, though, it's given Miko Rantanen a chance to shine. He just continues to produce points, and the guys who are playing with him, Valerie Nichushkin and Arturi Lekkonen, are also pulling hard on the rope to make up a new-looking first line and, and really carrying much of the offense. But after that, it sputters a little bit, and they're pressing J- guys like J.T. Comfort, Logan O'Connor, and Andrew Colgano into second-line minutes. These guys are not are playing punching above their weight, and that's where things have kind of fallen apart for the defending chance. But uh, they're hoping that uh, a couple of the big guns are back on on hand in the near term. They're just hoping to tread water until that happens. Well, this past week saw the end of one long-term scoring streak that we had seen. 
One of them uh, continued for a while, and we can talk about that when we get to it, Paul. But Jason Robertson uh, failed to score, um, has had a few points, but is stuck right now in a five-game goal drought. Uh, Certainly, I would expect him to get out of that sooner rather than later. I'm by no means suggesting that he needs to be dropped in your leagues or anything like that. Um, But he had, during that 18-game point streak, he scored 21 goals, really putting together a strong start to the season. So cooling pretty significantly, but still, I think, should easily hit the 40-goal mark this year uh, as long as this doesn't carry on too long. Got to 79 points last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit 80 this year as well. So a really strong season going for him. The net mining uh, in Dallas has been really solid as well. Even if the wins weren't necessarily there this past week, you've got Ottinger playing in four games, 2-2-0 is the record. Uh, Scott Wedgwood took one of their games this past week and had a 35-save shutout. So a solid performance by him, exactly what you would hope to get out of your backup. I, I don't even think you could hope to get that out of your backup, but um, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't a shutout. One goal allowed in that game. So really strong performance, um, but we'll see plenty of Ottinger down the stretch. In terms of offensive production, you're looking at guys like Lundqvist, Hintz, Heiskanen, all with four points, Marchment with three, Sagan with three. So offensively, they seem really solid. Uh, You know, you could maybe complain about Jason Robertson's kind of mini slump here. I wouldn't expect it to last very long. He'll get back on track sooner rather than later. And in Detroit, they have to deal with the news that their captain, Dylan Larkin, is going to be missing the next game and maybe more. He's got a hand injury that they're going to require further evaluation. At least that's the notes that I see, AJ. I don't know if you have any more information on that. But this is a team that early on has been in the – playoff hunt in a difficult Atlantic division. They have stumbled lately, uh, losers of six of their last eight games, and now possibly facing time without their captain to lead the way. Uh, puts more of a focus on the defensive side of the puck, and I continue to be surprised by the fact that Philip Ronick has really outplayed Moritz Sider and taken back the leadership of the blue line from the scoring point of view. He's got 24 points in 28 games, whereas Sider has 12 points to date in 28 games and also a minus 12, which is second worst on the team. That's going to be alarming for the fact that this guy earned a profile and, and plaudits that People were touting him as a young Nick Lidstrom, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Now let's slow our roll a bit on that one. <laughs> and uh, certainly what's happened this year has, has put the brakes on all that talk, and you wonder if, if this guy is suffering the sophomore jinx and nothing more than that. But they have to be concerned there. They're getting some mileage out of another European play- player. Jonathan Berggren has nine points in 15 games and has been a surprise contributor. He's been insulated a little bit here on the roster playing bottom six minutes. But if he keeps this pace up, he's going to be pressing for top six duty. The Edmonton Oilers are always good for some scoring in this past week was no different as McDavid, Dreisaitl and Hyman all had four goals in four games. Nugent Hopkins got three there as well. And the assists obviously piled on Uh, in total. McDavid had 11 points this last week, six of them coming with the power play. Drys out on nine points, four with the man advantage. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, seven points, five with the power play. So if you want to be hyper, super critical, you could point to the fact that some of these guys seem to be a little bit dependent on power play production. Uh, but that's not something that I would be concerned about if I was a fan or especially not a fantasy uh, manager of, of one of these guys. So 
The offense is rolling. I think Tyson Berry continues to be a little under the radar. He had six helpers in those four games. Big, big piece of their power play. I think anytime you're looking at these guys on the DFS slate, you got to try and maybe find a way to get a share of those guys. It's Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Barry on that number one unit. And I think you should target at least one of those whenever they're on the slate from DFS standpoint. In terms of, you know, season long, of course you got to have those guys in your lineup, right? You'd have to have a pretty stacked group of centers to consider leaving, uh, you know, even Nugent Hopkins out of your lineup. He's, uh, you know, I know in a lot of formats, he's dual eligible, which really is helpful as well. Um, but I think you got to find a way to get him in there, especially with how well this power play is doing right now. AJ of late Spencer Knight in Florida has been dealing with a bit of an illness. And that's just one reason why they gave some of the goalie load to Sergei Bobrovsky, even though Knight's been out of performing him statistics wise so far this year. Bobrovsky's been in net for five games in a row now. They're trying to get this guy righted, but the goals against uh, is still high. It's over 3.3 on the season. The save percentage under 89%. They have to be concerned about that because they're shelling out a league high in terms of the goalie tandem here. And much of that money is going into Bobrovsky's genes, and he's not returning much value for that at the moment. So they got to be concerned with what's going on in the nets there. And in the meantime, they did get some great news because at, Alexander Barkov is back in the fold offensively, and uh, that's the best news they can hope for when they get their number one center back, and they have to hope that he hits the ice running. He's back together with Sam Reinhardt and Matthew Tuchuk on, on the, what should be a pretty potent top line. The second line has got some injury woes with Colin White and Carter Verhage both dealing with day-to-day injury designations, but when healthy, they should round out a pretty impressive top six And uh, they have insurance on the bottom six with guys that are capable players when they're healthy too. But the fact of the matter is guys like Chris Tierney and Anton Landell, Patrick Hornquist and Anthony Duclair are all sidelined with injuries. And even on defense, uh, Radko Gudis is getting a long-term injury designation too, it looks like uh, at least. And so that leaves this team less than optimal right now and a far cry from the President's Trophy contenders of the last season. Speaking of injuries, Los Angeles' Drew Doughty missed just one game uh, with uh, looks like a lower body injury. He was back in the lineup uh, yesterday. Looks, you know, the the looked totally fine. 25 minutes was the ice time, five shots on goal. I am a little concerned about the fact that he hasn't found the back of the net in 28 consecutive games now. 16 assists over that stretch, so certainly still producing. Uh, The shot total has been decent, especially of late. You look at his last uh, six games here, two or more shots in each of those contests. So he's getting pucks on net, um, but they're just not going in right now. And so that is a bit of a concern. You know, a lot of times we're not banking on our defensemen scoring every night or anything like that. But you look at his numbers for 82 game seasons. I'm going to exclude, you know, last year he was injured. Then you had the COVID year. So going back to 2018, you know, This guy has multiple 10, 14, 11, 12, you know, double-digit goal seasons and only have one through 31 games is a bit of a concern there. Uh, You know, on the the back end, between the the nets here for the Kings, you've got Phoenix Copley actually getting a little bit longer look uh, than, than Jonathan Quick this last week. They've been splitting the workload here. Neither guy really standing out, to be totally honest with you, both with save percentages below 900. So that's obviously a concern from that side. 
and points to why uh, they suffered a 6-0 loss uh, to the to the um, the Sabers last night. All six of those goals were allowed by Copley. They opted against pulling him. Um, and though I would imagine for the time being, unless either guy can show something, they'll continue splitting the workload, which is a little bit surprising given Jonathan Quick's uh, long career. But that's what they've been doing so far. And I haven't seen anything from either guy to suggest that they'll stop doing that. Well, the same narrative, uh, as you just mentioned, applies in Minnesota, AJ. It seems that Marty, Marc-Andre Fleury's back uh, and healthy, but they're giving Philip Gustafsson uh, his share of assignments. He's been in 10 games. He's got a better record statistically than than uh, the veteran goalie. He's got a 247 goals against a 92% save percentage, while Fleury is uh, over three, just over three goals against and just under 90% save percentage. I expect those numbers to improve because this team is heating up. They've won six of their last eight games, and their last two games have been a combined score of five goals for one against. So maybe they're getting the defensive game in order. We know that they can put the puck in the net here. So to me, this is a very dangerous team looking forward, and they could be getting a little bit healthier too in the near term because Ryan Hartman, after being out for weeks and weeks, is finally skating again. There's still no timetable for uh, a return here, but it looks like uh, that is on the horizon, maybe early in the new year. And that'd be great news because he'll slide right back into a top six role. In the meantime, though, a good solid DFS value play right now is a guy like Sam Steele, who gets the assignment to center Matt Zuccarello and Karel Kaprizov, who are carrying this offense around and are on great extended hot streaks. And, I mean, I'll have more to say about this trio later on when we talk about uh, strategies on a short DFS slate. Over in Montreal, they've gotten, uh, they've been in and out with injury news. Some guys coming back, some guys going out. They've now got Sean Monahan on IR with a lower body injury. David Savard, Mike Matheson, both injured on the blue line. It looks like maybe Jonathan Druin is ready to come back from an upper body injury just based on line combinations. Of course, season long uh, injuries for Paul Byron, Carey Price. And Brendan Gallagher has been out long-term as well. So this is a team that really just can't seem to get healthy. They did avoid a bit of an injury scare. There was some concern that Cole Caulfield might uh, miss some time after being pulled from Monday's game. He looks all set and ready to go. So they at least won't be without Caulfield tonight. He had been on a three-game goal streak uh, until, you know, only playing eight minutes in that game against Calgary on Monday. So I'd expect him to pick up where he left off. Shot totals have been really nice for Caulfield. Somewhere looking about three per game on average here uh, recently. So they've got some uh, some things going there in terms of, of offense, even with the number of injuries. But this is a team that right now, just can't seem to get healthy. And uh, that's not the case in New Jersey. They only have one real major injury concern. I'll say two, actually. Mackenzie Blackwood on the IR in the Nets, but Vitek Vanasek and Akiri Schmidt are carrying the load and doing very well because this team is quite committed to the defensive side of the puck, and the goalie numbers for those two guys reflects it. But offensively, they're getting a lot of mileage out of their young guns, and uh, that is expected to continue when you consider that the uh, Guys like Jesper Bratt and Dawson Mercer are certainly filling uh, the stat sheet alongside Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, respectively. Uh, the guys that benefit from that, it might be DFS, good DFS value plays, are the left-wingers on the first two lines. Thomas Tatar on the top line and Eric Howla on the second line are guys that have been around the league long enough and, and 
have shown an ability to play top six minutes in the past. So I think there's good DFS value in those two guys. And you might even keep an eye on a guy like a Jonas Siegenthaler who had a good week offensively on, from the blue line here. He picked up a trio of assists playing alongside Dougie Hamilton, who is clearly the best puck-moving defenseman, most offensively skilled guy there. So a couple of things to look for on the DFS side of the game when you're considering New Jersey Devils for your daily lineups. The Nashville Predators have just been a quietly even team this season, and that's reflected in the record 12-12-3 overall, which is a solid uh, point percentage at 500 exactly. At home, just a slight edge, 7-5-2. Away, again, the reverse slight edge, 5-7-1, and 4-4-2 over their last 10. Like, this is just an even, uh, even Steven team. Unfortunately for them, they're in a very competitive central Division right now, uh, you know, St. Louis is still right there in the mix. Obviously, Minnesota, Colorado, Winnipeg seems to have bounced back after last year being somewhat disappointing. And then, of course, you've got Dallas leading the way here. So they're in a tough spot where you're not going to be able to get through if you're just playing even Stephen hockey right now. They're going to need to put some wins together uh, and, and maybe step up their game a little bit. Similarly, starter UC Saros. Played three games this past week. 0-2-1 was the record. An even 900 is the save percentage. So I think we'll just call Nashville even. Uh, they're going to have to figure some way to get themselves ticking up these standings a little bit if they want to make the playoffs. AJ, the goaltending and the defensive side of the puck, not the problem in, on the island. Both goalies under 2.7 goals against, of course, Elias Sorokin getting a lot of the highlights, but Semyon Varlamov's been very steady in reserve. It's the fact that they're not getting a lot of offense in some nights. They've lost five of their last seven games. That's a telltale sign. They just have given a, a few too many goals and haven't been able to keep up offensively. And really, when you look at the scoring race for this club, certainly you get the two guys at center in the one-two punch that I've talked about a number of times this year in Matthew Barzal and Brock Nelson certainly carrying their weight at a point-per-game pace this season. But it drops off precipitously after that with only two other guys over 20 points. And that's where the problem lies because one of those two guys is actually a defenseman. So beyond Anders Lee, they're looking for answers among the top six forwards right now. They've really shuffled the deck a little bit here in order to try and spark something. They put uh, bottom six perennial, bottom six forward physical guy, Cal Clutterbuck, into the mix on a second line to kind of change and shake things up a little bit. And Oliver Wallstrom is a bit of a surprise, too, on uh, the first line uh, between Barzal and Lee. So they're really grasping at straws to try and find something offensively. It doesn't help that Cal Palmieri is on the IR and that Beauvillier is listed as day-to-day here. So uh, maybe it's a matter of waiting for those guys to get healthy to see what this game is, team is truly capable of. But clearly searching for offense right now is, is job number one. The Rangers are finally getting uh, some stronger performances out of uh, many of their key players. Artemi Pernarin, five assists this last week. Mika Zibinijad, four points. Philip Hedl with three points. Uh, Trocek with three as well. So they have uh, shuffled things up a little bit. They made a couple tweaks today to their line combinations. You've got, uh, they had Lafreniere up with Zibinijad and Capocaco. Instead, it looks like Artemi Panarin, Zibinijad, and Barkley Goudreau. And then they've got Chris Kreider and Vincent Trocek, Jimmy Vesey making up a sort of third line for them. At least that's how they're doing line combinations, but that would be one of the hardest third lines to play against. I think you would find more teams matching up against the second line of Alexis Lafreniere, Philip Hedl, and Capo Caco. 
So a bit of shuffling, a bit of gamesmanship for the Rangers, but they're getting uh, strong production from the guys that you need to. And, of course, Igor Shesterkin coming off a perfect week, three wins and three outings, 1.61 was the goals against average, a really solid week uh, for the Rangers. And uh, top of the injury news in Ottawa is that Tim Sutsley faces a, at least one week out of action due to a shoulder injury. Apart from that, they're, they're relatively healthy in top, terms of the top end of their roster. Of course, Josh Nor- Norris is still out for a while. But uh, guys like Claude Giroux, Brady Tuchuk, Drake Batherson, they're doing their job and then some to keep the offense afloat. And it's reflected in the fact that this team has won six of their last nine games. Also, a healthy Cam Talbot as fix things in the nets a little bit. Anton Forsberg, I guess, suffered from being overused a little bit earlier on and, and wore out a little bit, and his uh, goaltending record showed a bit of a slide uh, timed with Talbot's return, actually. So he's lost his share of the net there, running pretty much with the veteran in goal, and uh, so you can almost pencil him in most nights going forward while they start to look a little bit more upwardly mobile, uh, trying to keep pace with some of the other heavyweights in their division. The Philadelphia Flyers are uh, another team that has been struggling two, six and two in their last 10 outings. Um, And really, you know, yeah, a losing record on the road is is certainly not a good thing if you want to be a playoff team. But perhaps more concerning is the record at home, six, eight and one. And then, of course, the goal differential is an astronomical minus 26 right now, uh, surpassed by Columbus uh, and Chicago. Uh, and of course, Anaheim, but uh, really not a lot of teams with worse goal differential records right now than the Philadelphia Flyers, which goes back to the constant point that they uh, can't seem to find an answer uh, between the Nets. Continuing to deal with injuries, uh, Cam Atkinson is still out. Tony D'Angelo uh, has been out recently uh, dealing with a, a personal issue. Uh, so they've been using Carter Hart and Felix Sanderson. Uh, you know, they're Going to need one of these guys to do something. Uh, both sub 900 in, in their last, uh, this last week. Winless uh, in those four outings this past week. Uh, zero, two, and two was the record. So, again, the Flyers, subpar goaltending, injuries piling up. Uh, really kind of the same thing that we talked about last season. And, and you look at this team and you think, you know, if they're healthy, this is a team that could potentially be a, a playoff contender here. They just can't seem to be healthy and, and get the goaltending that I think most people kind of expect out of them. AJ, we got about 10 or 12 teams left to go in our weekly look around the league, including our two favorite clubs that are both on fire right now. But let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some more news and notes from around the league. You're listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we're back. Let's get another reminder out of you, AJ, for various ways our listeners can reach out to us during the week. And a word from our sponsor, also looking forward to your slant on the Final Four of the World Cup. And I look at, I mentioned this on the show as we were going off the air, that it seems like a lot of our listeners are from Canada. So I want to throw a, a bit of a lifeboat <laughs> out to our Canadian soccer fans and, and have them reminded that two of the Final Four teams in this World Cup came from the, the group of death that nobody really identified as uh, 
to Morocco and Croatia made it to the final four out of out of the group that had Canada in it. And uh, there was a lot of bad press given to the Canadian club uh, for maybe underachieving. But when you put the, the performance of the other two clubs in there, uh, I feel a little bit better about things. And I wonder how you think it's going to turn out. I think we're headed for an Argentina-France final. And I'd love to see Lionel Messi get a World Cup title. Yeah, uh, to that end, I, I expect uh, France to win today. And then uh, I'm actually, I've been saying France as, as my winner throughout uh, the lead up to the World Cup. So I expect them to to win. And yeah, I would agree, Paul. I don't know why people there, you know, you looked at that group ahead of time. Yeah, you didn't maybe expect Morocco to make a run. But if they didn't do it, a lot of people had Belgium making it all the way to the final. So Canada was a long shot to make it out of that group to begin with. I, I don't really know why people would be throwing a lot of shade on them here. Uh, just like I said, they, they weren't really expected to get out of the group and, and they didn't. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe you're hoping for an upset or maybe you thought Croatia was past their prime, uh, which clearly they were not making it to the finals. So all that to say, though, if you are watching today's game or if you're going to watch the World Cup final, uh, there's no better time than now to uh, try out Caesars Sportsbook. Uh, we've got NFL, NHL all rolling. Uh, of course, NBA as well. And as I mentioned, World Cup and World Cup final right around the corner. If you really want to get crazy, there is the third place playoff match, uh, which probably be Croatia and Morocco, the most pointless game, I think, in all of sports. But all that to say today, anyone who's at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo ROTO15, uh, that's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Visit caesars.com sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. As we always mention at this point, if you want to talk hockey with us, Give us your take about renaming uh, uh, the awards or uh, anything like that. If you want to talk World Cup soccer, if you want to talk uh, Premier League, anything like that, I'm happy to talk with you. NBA baseball, Paul's your guy on that one. You can reach us over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. Well, you left out NFL football, AJ, and I'm, I mean, I teased the fact that I was in the play, uh, heading for a big matchup in uh, the last week of the regular season, I knocked off one of our grand poobahs at Rotowire, Jeff Erickson licking his wounds on this fine Wednesday while I'm headed to the playoffs for the 10th time in 11 years in Rotowire's and annual NFL football pool in-house. So bragging rights are solidly in my corner, and I couldn't be happier. But we have to feel really good about our respective clubs too, AJ, and let's swing back into a look at the remaining teams where we start this segment off with the Pittsburgh Penguins on a six-game winning streak, actually winning 11 of their last 13 games. What say you about your favorite hockey team? Well, I'm going to start with the bad news. Um, you know, Jeff Pet- uh, Petri is going to be out. Uh, they're looking pretty long-term. They put him on LTIR with an upper body injury. Looked like maybe a wrist or arm injury, possibly um, just, you know, amateur looking at it, possibly even like a break or something like that. So he immediately went on LTIR. So he will not be back until after the new year. And then it came out today. Jason Zucker is uh, considered week to week with a lower body injury. So, again, uh, seems unlikely at this point that we would get Zucker back 
before uh, before Christmas, probably possibly even into the new year as well. So some concerns for a team that's been really rolling. Obviously, there was the uh, the scare with Chris Letang. He he only missed five games after having that second stroke uh, back in the lineup. The points haven't come yet. The shots haven't been there. But it's not for a lack of minutes or physicality. He's just out 12 hits in his two games back here. So really strong performances by Chris Letang all around. Even if the scoring hasn't quite come back yet, I would expect uh, that to pick up sooner rather than later, especially especially as he gets more power play opportunities. AJ, the Seattle club has been the talk of the NHL for much of the first half of the season so far, but they're hitting the skids a little bit. Four losses in their last five games. What's going on with the NHL's most recent expansion club? Yeah, Seattle, uh, you know, they, I think we're probably out kicking their coverage, uh, to, to use a football term here uh, at the start of the season. I don't know that I really expected them to potentially be uh, you know, second in, in the Pacific at any point. I thought, you know, maybe fourth would be a solid improvement, maybe in the hunt for a wild card spot. So I'm not totally surprised to see a bit of a regression here. Um, it's not totally due to to injuries. They're they're not dealing with a lot. They've got Jamie Oleksiak suspended. Justin Schultz is uh, dealing with an upper body injury. And so um, there are some things going on here. But overall, I think it's just, you know, there's a, a kind of a younger group of guys. They're still trying to get all the pieces together. Um, so I think you're going to have these highs and lows for Seattle throughout the season. And if they can ride out more highs or extend their highs longer than their lows, I think then we'll see uh, them maintain a potential playoff spot here. AJ, in San Jose, we have to give our give our kudos to Eric Carlson. For a couple of years now, he had been partnered with Brent Burns on a what looked like a pretty solid one-two punch, maybe the best offensive one-two punch we've seen uh, potentially in NHL among defensemen on any one club over the last few years. But since Burns uh, signed on with Carolina and left Carlson as the lead dog, he's really turned back the clock. He's got 38 points in 31 games played, having an outstanding campaign and certainly making the case for himself as potential trade bait toward the end of the season if San Jose wants to look that route and find a taker for at least a portion of that big contract that remains. We're reminded that he's in his early 30s right now. Maybe the best years of his career are behind him, but he's putting together an outstanding campaign that has got to be turning a lot of heads among GMs this season. And that's a reason why uh, you want to keep an eye on what this guy's continuing to do offensively. He's leading the pack on his team by eight points. Not many defensemen lead their team in scoring. I think Roman Yossi was the only guy that did it last year. It looks like Carlson is making a bid to do it this season for sure and got a leg up on all comers. But the three veterans behind him offensively, Hertel, Meyer, and Couture, are also uh, players that have been putting up almost a point per game on the season. It just drops off precipitously after that, where former Leaf cast-off Alexander Barabanov is the best of the rest, but he's dealing with a day-to-day designation uh, of uh, one injury that uh, has sidelined him, and so that's weakening the offense. They're trying to do something about that by splitting some of the uh, key components. Nick Bonino has moved up in class to be a top six player. You and I both know that's miscasting this guy, but it also is an indictment on the rest of the offensive pieces there. So uh, they have to hope that the top three offensive pieces can find some support somewhere along the line. A healthy Barabanov will help the case, but it's still not enough to keep this team relevant in their division. 
The Blues have been uh, really an, an underwhelming team of late. You look at their offensive production last four games, the best you're going to get is Robert Thomas with three points, Josh Levo with three points, Braden Shen with three as well. They've had a few guys in and out of the lineup, but nothing really long-term. Tori Kruger's out for a little bit. He's back in action. Um, they had Buchnevich was out for a little bit. He'll be back in tonight as well. Um, and just really, like I said, kind of underperforming a little bit in all aspects. Uh, Jordan Bennington did pick up his 100th uh, win of the season – or of his career, rather, of the season. That'd be a really impressive season. Um, <laughs> more wins than games. Uh, 100th win of his career in a shootout. Um, so a strong, strong go for him in that one. Um, gets the 1-0 win over Nashville. And that speaks to the fact of where their lack of offense is. You're talking about a guy makes, you know, stops all 25 pucks he saves and still barely got the win because his offense could only put one goal in. Um, he kept Colorado to just three goals. That's pretty solid, all things uh, considered. He had been slumping pretty hard um, prior to these last two outings that have been a little bit better, was in a six-game losing streak where goals against average was 5.11. So if Bennington can start figuring things out, maybe that'll help the rest of the team. But overall, I just don't see this being a team with any long-term success the way it's built right now. They're just underwhelming, and there's really nothing uh, clearly wrong that you can blame it on. Well, there's nothing clearly wrong with what's going on in Tampa AJ, I know we've already talked about the Boston Bruins and the great year they're having. We'll soon talk about the Maple Leafs and the outstanding campaign that they're having. But all of a sudden, Tampa's rolling. They got 11 wins in their last 14 games played. And a big part of that success is the big tandem they have on defense. They spread these guys out. They've got uh, Hedman on one pairing, and they've got Sergachev on the other. Sergachev was handling a lot of the power play time. One key difference in the past week is that Hedman is starting to get more of a share, and that's reflected in his point story. He was limited to only 10 points before last week. He added four more in the last four games played. So keep an eye on the on the power play depth charts that we update regularly on Rotowire because they now show Hedman is getting more uh, of a run there, more minutes per game with the extra man. And, of course, we know how deadly the Bulls can be with that extra man advantage. And the other part of the equation is that uh, – Vasilevsky is playing uh, back near the top of his form, and the goals against average is going down steadily. It's now at 2.63. That's pretty much in the neighborhood of what you can expect from this guy year in, year out. He's doing it again, and he's being spelled adequately by Brian Elliott, who has won six games in his seven appearances, playing once every four games. You can count on that because it's 21 to 7 right now. Uh, quick math tells me that's a three to one ratio. How about that, AJ? Impressive <laughs> mathematics on the fly. But uh, offensively, this team is getting it from the usual suspects. But a sneaky good value play is a guy like Alex Kalorn or even Brandon Hagel. You want to watch those guys as what I call the sidekick theory uh, kicking in. And uh, they're factoring in offensively on uh, different units here, too, alongside some of their perennial scoring leaders so finding dfs value is a theme that i'm touching on quite a bit in this show and there's two more examples there and now aj sorry sorry buddy team me up team me up for the maple Leafs. i'm anxious all i was gonna say is if uh as we dive into toronto here if you're listening on uh on the podcast you can you know maybe skip ahead about 15 20 minutes until paul's done (laughs) uh similarly if you're watching online just jump off go about your day come back like I said, about 15, 20 minutes, Paul, should finally be done here. 
I'll be concise if I can, AJ, but uh, of course, I'm smiling like the butcher's dog this morning. This team has lost exactly one game in regulation in their last 21 starts. They're on the verge of club history with uh, possibility of gaining points in the 16th consecutive game. They have never done that in the long history of this club. The last loss was November 11th to none other than the Pittsburgh Penguins, a game that uh, the Leafs avenged twice after that one in this long streak of success. So I'm very happy, and I'm even happier after a game like last night against Anaheim when they blitzed the club, and a lot of the scoring came from the bottom six forwards, two of whom I've maligned mercilessly all season long in a lot of different conversations. Alex Kerfoot has been uh, public uh, target number one for me, but he's starting to round into form, folks. He's got a point per game in his last seven games played, and uh, productive Kerfoot, gives this team a chance to ice three solid forward lines running alongside him, uh, Pierre Engvall, who has been called perimeter Engvall for his lack of desire to use his big body in the corners and, and hit people. Uh, he just preferred to glide around the ice much of the early part of the season, getting him more involved. And that's reflected in his uh, scoring spike of late as well. But the big story, Mitch Marner setting a club record for consecutive points scoring streak. That's up to 23 games right now. And uh, they've uh, continued to ice him with John Tavares. So that pair is flying. And then on the top line, it's Nylander and Matthews uh, tandem, both guys, primarily shooters, but both really showing the defensive uh, willingness to get involved in the defensive side of the game that's really increased their value. And a sneaky guy to watch for now is Dennis Malgan getting a run on top six because uh, the unlucky guy, Nick Robertson's poor luck continues. He suffered a shoulder injury. He'll be sidelined for six weeks or so. And that gives a guy like Malkin a real good chance to to uh, maybe do a, a low-level impression of maybe Evgeny Malkin. I'd love that, AJ. <laughs> but uh, their defense also starting to round into shape. Guy like Connor Timmons was a cast-off that the Leafs acquired from Colorado, and he's fit in like a glove, uh, taking a lesson from the, the veterans on the blue line, T.J. Brody returning to the mix, and uh, Mark Giordano playing just ageless hockey right now at the high end of his skill set is really showing uh, this guy doesn't hold on to the puck much, and he gets in the way of a lot of shots too, but he's piling up the points, and he's Chewing up the ice time at 39 years of age, they're getting a ton of mileage out of this guy for league minimum money. Behind all that, a goalie tandem that was maligned in the offseason, like what the hell are the Leafs doing in the Nets? Well, Matt Murray is is making you wonder why, why didn't we see this in the tail end of his stint with Pittsburgh and what happened to him in Ottawa, but he's finding his best game again this year. And then to support him, Ilya Samsonov, coming off back-to-back shutouts and leading the league in goals against average right now uh, for goalies that have played at least 10 games. So I'm done, AJ. It's all good news. Leafs are rolling. I hope they keep it up. All right. Well, uh, just to give some Vancouver news real quick and give you a quick little break before you run through them, looks like Spencer Martin going to get the start for them tonight. Not a huge surprise with the fact that Thatcher Demko is still a sideline. What other news out of Vancouver there, Paul? Well, off the ice, the, the rumors of uh, a contract impasse with Bo Horvat is kind of dominating things, AJ. And that's the last thing that you need with your captain being embroiled in stuff like this. He's tried to diffuse it by saying he refused to comment on it. And then he was pushed into commenting on it about an hour and a half later. So uh, I guess that's Canadian media for you. They just won't let a story go. And uh, as long as that's on the 
back burner. That's got to be a distraction for a Vancouver club that's trying to stay relevant. They're doing it without Thatcher Denko, who's on the IR and pressure on Spencer Martin to kind of carry the load with Connor Delia behind him, not getting much ice time. So really, uh, that's even made worse by the fact that Elias Pedersen, who was enjoying a fine campaign, has missed a couple of starts now. It's not looking like a long-term injury situation, AJ, and that might be the best news of all so that he can resume a top-six role and help drive a second-scoring line behind the Horvat, Miller, and Curtis Lazar unit. Again, when you look at the team like this, you look for DFS value plays, and Curtis Lazar is a a hot-looking possibility there when you consider him playing between Horvat and Miller. And I remember when this guy was in junior, he was Team Canada's captain. That's how good his profile was at that point. And he's getting a chance to to show some offensive skill in between those guys. Might be a good sneaky value uh, in DFS play when he's uh, in this spot. Over in Vegas, we're getting a healthy dose of Aiden Hill uh, between the pipes for, for the Golden Knights right now. Um, you look at uh, the recent week, both Hill and Logan Thompson played two games. Hill won both of his contests with a save percentage above nine. Logan Thompson losing both of his save percentage below nine. So we could see an increased workload for Aiden Hill here heading into uh, the next couple of next couple of games. See if he can really, uh, you know, be be the guy that they, they need him to be. The injury front is pretty brutal right now. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is away for for personal reasons. No details on when he might be back. Zach Whitecloud had to go on LTIR. (coughs) Theodore is out. Jack Eichel is out. Of course, uh, Nolan Patrick, Brett Howding, guys that have been out. Shea Weber out the whole season. Um, So really, they're getting pretty thin on both the the blue line here and the forward complement. Um, they're back to a situation we talked about a number of years ago, Paul, where Chandler Stephenson is their number one center, which I have repeatedly said is not a recipe for success here. Um, they needed somebody else. They got somebody else in Jack Eichel. Um, but unfortunately, they find themselves back in that situation. Now, Eichel is listed as day to day. So we're not expecting a long term absence for him. But Shea Theodore is week to week. And White Cloud, I believe they said, month to month after long-term IR. So he will not be back anytime soon, which means we're going to get a look at some of the younger uh, defensemen here, including uh, or a combination of veterans too, Ben Hutton, Braden Paschal, Daniel uh, Miramanov, all of whom could see opportunities, especially while Shea Theodore is sidelined. AJ in Washington, they're riding the wave of Ovechkin scoring exploits to a recent five-game win streak where the offense is clicking and the defense is doing their part too, considering during that win streak, they've only allowed a total of nine goals against over the five games. The main beneficiary there and a key component of that is the goaltender that's taken over the, the net since Darcy Kemper was put to the IR, and that's Charlie Lindgren, a cast off of the Montreal Canadiens and had a stop in St. Louis, but thriving in in limited play so far this season in Washington and having his best run as a pro. Uh, So maybe if you're looking for a goalie, he's a pretty good ad right now as he's got the reins and is performing behind a team that's really clicking at both ends of the ice. But when you're looking at all the scoring exploits, sure, they've had a nice run in the last five games, but over the season, Ovechkin has 20 goals on this club, AJ, and you have to go all the way to Connor Sheary, who's next on the club with nine. And you know from watching this guy in Pittsburgh, that's not his bread and butter. And so they've got to get more of these other guys clicking. Evgeny Kuznetsov has been an assist machine with 19 in 30 games played as Ovechkin's chief setup guy. Uh, 
but only four goals there. They need more from him. And that only just makes the absence of a, a Nick Backstrom, even that more of a glaring issue at center ice. And Dylan Strom is trying to hold his, his uh, end of the bargain up too. He's next in the scoring race with 23 points himself in 31 games, but that might be a ceiling in terms of pace on the season. And beyond that, they haven't got anybody over 20 points. So while the offense is doing it short term, they got to show me that it's more of a long-term possibility. And uh, so you look for Lars Eller and maybe TJ Oshie to be guys that kind of help fill that gap uh, as veterans on this club on the offensive side of the puck. The Winnipeg Jets have been uh, finding their offensive stride of late. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we did uh, do have listed as day-to-day with an illness. Apparently, he missed some shifts in last night's game uh, due to that illness, but continued to play. He's got eight points in his last five games. Mark Shifley with seven. Kyle Connor with seven. Josh Morrissey with six helpers over that stretch. So plenty of production out of the top of the lineup. What's interesting is Coach Bruce Cassidy said he was disappointed in the fourth line, which led to them calling up uh, Kevin Stenland from the minors. Well, then they also had the opportunity to get Carson Kuhlman off of waivers and decided to jump on him. Not a ton of like real long opportunities. His most games played were both last year with Seattle, eight points in 25 games. He had six points in 25 games earlier in his career uh, when he was with Boston, but uh, does have some decent production in the minors. Um, if they can get him rolling, uh, perhaps they can find something there. But overall, it's been a little underwhelming at the NHL level. Uh, obviously, they're hoping that he can be a fourth-line contributor for them uh, once you know he kind of adjusts and, and maybe improve a fourth-line that, uh, again, Cassie was critical of, not only for a lack of any sort of offense out of this group, but also giving up a lot of goals. So they're going to try something different there and see what works out in a bottom six that's really underwhelming when you compare it to that top six, as I went through most of those guys high up on the production list. Well, that completes our weekly sweep through the 32 teams, partner. And now we go to our segment where we look at the the DFS scorebook on DraftKings. Uh, we've been fortunate to be affiliated with them for the last couple of seasons on their morning show and been featured on the day, on their daily runs from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock in the Eastern time zone and uh, have a lot of fun with that, AJ. And I want to take uh, from one of the questions that we were asked earlier today in terms of the DFS strategy on a short slate, three games on tap tonight. Well, for me, I look that this is an opportunity to do a couple of things. I like to look for complete line stacks that might make sense and not blow my brains out financially. And I also think maybe this is a time to spend up a little bit more in terms of defensemen or maybe even the top dogs among forwards where I shy away on a bigger slate to try to spread the money around. So there's different strategies I employ. Uh, do any of these resonate with you and or do you have any, any others that you look at? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I do tend on a smaller slate to go a little bit towards the top of the price range because, you know, when you have a big slate, you have five, six, seven guys that are all kind of in that 8,000 to 9,000 range in terms of forwards, 7,000 to 6,000 range in terms of defensemen. So you can kind of pick and choose who you go with. You know, maybe you take the third, fourth, fifth most expensive option or you fade all of them depending on matchup. With less games you know, that gap becomes bigger. Like the top Kirill Kaprasov tonight compared to the next highest guy, at least over on DraftKings, is, is a pretty sizable gap, both in price 
and performance on the ice. So I think you do trend towards paying up more. Now, if you look at tonight's slate, there really weren't any big name defensemen on the slate in terms of overall costs. The highest guy was Thomas Shabbat at 6,100. So it wasn't as much, in my opinion, a situation where you necessarily were even considering paying up because you didn't have any of those high dollar options. Um, so yeah, it, different strategies depending on which teams are on the slate. Um, you know, we have really one big, the other thing too, in this matchup, we have one big favorite. Um, the other two are close. Um, but I, I think, you know, you have one big one, um, they're all kind of favorites actually, the more I look at it, but anyway, one big favorite, two kind of lesser favorites. And so I think you have to lean towards stacking somewhere in there as a way to differentiate yourself too. Yeah. The stack that I touched on earlier on the show uh, this morning was the first line for Minnesota. You mentioned you implied that there's one lopsided matchup. It's their visit with Detroit tonight and a depleted Detroit team at that. Kirill Kaprasov, you mentioned at the top of the price range, Matt Zuccarello, a little bit lower than him, but Sam Steele is a is a steal tonight as the third member of that forward line, bringing down the average cost, and he's in a really nice spot. You need to find a couple of guys in that 3,000 to 3,500 range or thereabouts to fill out a squad like this when you're going high end with a guy like Kaprizov. And isn't it great that Sam Steele is riding shotgun with him tonight? A perfect place to average down, and that's where I would go in that situation. But, AJ, we're going to spend our remaining moments here talking about the three games on tap and taking a look at the sportsbook side of things. We're using the DraftKings numbers. We'll begin with a look at Montreal's visit to Ottawa. This is two teams in the bottom half of the Atlantic Division that we touched on earlier in the show. The puck line shows that the Canadians, if they win by two, are a minus 145. Uh, that's an interesting place to go. The over/under set at six and a half. The money line favors the Canadian. She uh, favors the Senators as a minus two fifteen on home ice. I kind of like the Canadians on the road at plus one eighty five. I see that's value there for uh, a coin flip kind of a game. I don't see a big disparity that merits such a big money line favorite that uh, is showing on Ottawa right now. Yeah, I agree. That line's a lot bigger than I anticipated it being. Um, 185 for Montreal seems like good value for, I agree, for a, a matchup that I think is a lot closer than that. The next game here is one that we do not anticipate being very close, and that's Minnesota against Detroit. You're only getting even money to give up a goal and a half for Minnesota, um, plus 100 at, at minus a goal and a half on the puck line, total set at over under six, uh, and then the wild minus 255 on the money line here. The fact of the matter is without Dylan Larkin in the lineup, the Red Wings best offensive producer, I think you're going to, they're going to struggle to produce. And so to that end, you've got on one side, we were just talking about Kirill Kaprasov and how well their offense has been doing. Um, you're, you've got a major piece of the Red Wings out of the lineup tonight. I would consider Going wild minus two and a half goals tonight gets plus 160 value over on the DK Sportsbook. Give you a little more value here because I do expect this to be a pretty one-sided affair. Maybe not quite as bad as we saw in Toronto last night, um, but I do think Minnesota could come out on top and say a 3-0-4-0 victory here as I think Detroit will really struggle to produce offensively. And the final game, AJ, I know you and I kind of were on opposite sides of this uh, this one, so I'll give you a chance to certainly share your opinion. But 
I like Calgary at home tonight uh, over Vancouver. I mentioned, I think there's some concern in the dressing room there with their leadership on the ice, and that might trickle out onto the ice tonight. And uh, at a time where I think Calgary's just started to show signs of getting their offensive game in gear, the likes of Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger starting to finally look like they're getting comfortable, and Calgary has a lot to do with that. Uh, veteran core there too, and uh, certainly hope that uh, the goaltending solidifies itself, and that means a return to form for Jacob Marks. And I'm not sure who's starting in the nets there, AJ, but even their backup has been better than the starter there. So I just like all things pointing to Calgary winning tonight. So I gladly uh, take them on the puck line at plus 135 in this matchup. But how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you here. Um, I, I don't like that you, to get value, you have to give up um, or you have to give up a goal and a half. I think if Calgary wins, it will be probably a one goal game. Um, so I, I honestly, though, I would take Vancouver straight up on the money line, plus 160 here. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the goaltending has been inconsistent. It is going to be Markstrom who gets the goal, gets the start tonight. Now, his numbers have been good, but the wins haven't been there recently. So he has been a little bit better. Um, and I, I dismiss the you know rumblings that Bo Horvat not signing a contract that he doesn't like creates any sort of issue in the locker room. If anybody's going to understand that he wants to get paid a fair market value, it's going to be his teammates. It's, it's us talking heads on the outside and the fans who are going to be like, just sign the deal, just sign the deal, whatever. I think his teammates are going to understand that, that he doesn't want to undersell his value of where he thinks he is. And so I, I don't think that's going to create problems in the locker room at all. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I just don't think it's a big deal to those guys. They understand that this is a business. And so I don't expect that to be a factor. If anything, I think he could come out after having a deal with that yesterday and have a big game tonight and possibly lead Vancouver to a win. AJ, uh, I'm going to close the show with getting your slant on a couple of names that moved along on the waiver wire, uh, Sometime recently, one of them coming to Toronto is Connor Timmons. He's looked really good on the Leaf defense, not expected to be a big offensive producer, but here he is with four points in six games. And what I like about him is he's moving the puck quickly. He's added some size and some physicality to the club that really needed it. So that was a big get for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But then I'm also noticing other names on the waiver wire and players moving. Eli Tolvanen is a guy who was formerly a high draft pick by, by Nashville, if I remember correctly. And he got picked up by uh, Seattle, and he's going to get an opportunity to play there. Uh, we're seeing more activity on the waiver wire that I remember and more names that are unexpected to be on that waiver wire, AJ. So uh, have you been a little bit surprised like that as I have been this season? I've been a little surprised, maybe not as much that guys are on there. We see a lot of guys end up on the waiver wire because they're trying to move guys to the minors that maybe are – stalled out or underperforming at the NHL level, but the amount of claims does seem, I don't have statistics to back this up in front of me, but at least uh, seems a little bit higher. Uh, I like both these pickups for those teams. Uh, You know, I I think Connor Timmons, you look at the one kind of full year he had in the minors, 27 points in 40 games. He dealt with uh, some concussion issues. And so uh, his career a little bit waylaid because of that. And so I actually think he does have, I would have expected maybe not quite four assists in four games, but you know, a point every other game, maybe I would have expected out of him uh, a a decent producer every third game, maybe something like that. But I'm not surprised to see him producing. And then Tolvanen, I think it's a good move for him. You know, his numbers with the Predators aren't terrible, but 
I think he fits in better with Seattle. He, you know, he's not necessarily a bottom, bottom, you know, fourth line player. Um, his numbers when he was with Milwaukee were always higher, but he was always in a top six role. So I think if they can at least get him middle six minutes with Seattle, I think he should be a good in a good spot there. And before I get the emails and tweets, I will correct myself. Timmons was acquired on a, on a trade with uh, uh, Arizona for Curtis Douglas, a, a big, big forward, but I don't know how much skill he's got. Let's go with that big size, but uh, the least basically picked this guy up off the scrap heap. And so that's, that's the implication. Scrap heap, waivers, whatever you want to call it. Some teams <laughs> are looking for players to add to their clubs and, and uh, scouring the transactions that uh, where teams are kind of giving up on players. Uh, this is another example with, with a castaway trade like that. So uh, just highlighting how there's been some early player movement. We expect much more as the trade deadline approaches in a couple of months, but it's kind of cool to see some player movement uh, this way, AJ. And I thought we'd end the show with that discussion. In any case, we're getting very near the Christmas break and the season a couple of weeks away, and things are heating up on the ice with division standings uh, fluctuating and, and, uh, the cream is starting to rise to the top. I mean, we talked about the, the depth in the Atlantic division, the Penguins on fire in the Metro and certainly out West. Uh, top teams are, are, a couple of top teams are struggling with Colorado being front and center with their injury list. So it's all led to a lot of intrigue and we'll keep you posted on all that stuff. We thank you for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. And we remind you as always here, we're here to hear, help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Don't forget to follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. And AJ's a great follow at AJ Scholes24. So long, everybody.